For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Hello, fellow Vault Hunters. I'm J. Michael Tatum, and you're listening to The Geek Show. Welcome to the Geek Show, broadcasting from your mum's basement. <laughs> I'm joking. Broadcasting from thegeekshow.co.uk. Yeah. It's a new start for a, a new phase of the Geek Show. Woo! Yeah. yeah. It's a whole new world with a brand new attitude, but you still got to catch them all. And I, and I can't swear. This is ruining everything. <laughs> it's all right. We can fix this one in post. <laughs> we've, never, we've never been able to swear. No. Can I get one of those pedals, like, on Charlie Brooker's programs and just make, make honking noises every time I swear? <laughs> that would just keep me happy till the day I die. I cannot tell you. But anyway, everyone we'll get you okay? A, we'll get you a swear buzzer, like, in the IT crowd. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Good yes. work on the profanity buzzer there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make that a, a possibility. But, uh, yes, how is, how is everybody? Oh, uh, okay. I'm pretty good. Yeah, pretty good, yeah. I'm Dave. <laughs> <laughs> We know all this, there. We got you a sticker and everything. Yes. Dave was telling us all about furries earlier. Sort of. The topic came up. Um, yesterday I was at uh, Chibi Sunny. Yep. And um, they've just got round to revealing it on their Facebook page today, but the big news they revealed during the uh, the con was the one of the guests for next year's Sunny Con, who is Uncle Kage, who... No one knew. Well, if you know things in furry circles, he's a guy that organises things like an- Anthrocon in the States. It's Ooh. a thing. <laughs> so so, uh, so basically, it was like one of these announcements where the whole crowd went, huh? Who? And one guy at the back went, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, what, one, one girl did a very loud yelp squeak. So, so basically thing, the same yeah. thing, but it was a girl instead of like a yeah. early dude. Yeah. Which I kind of expect. <laughs> I kind of expected to be a burly dude for a furry thing, because you know they're not always furry on the inside. Well, that's, that's just misleading. That's misleading. <laughs> if they were furry on the inside, maybe see a doctor about that. They have a furry. Oh no! I must know. Furry soul. <laughs> it's an outrage. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> 
This is getting off to a great start. Yes. Anyway, welcome to the new and improved Geek Show. How about some news, eh? <laughs> yes, uh, starting off, uh, Rob will be happy about this one. 3rd November, Godzilla turns 60. Uh, does he have a Zimmer for him? Uh, not like Five years until a Zimmer for him. Because there was that news story of Paris having their very oddly shaped Christmas tree. Oh, God, so who's suggesting day, this is for Godzilla? Maybe they're catering the world to Godzilla now he's, you know, older and he's not got as many kaiju, you know, to keep him, you know, young and fit. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but you make it sound like a top-shelf magazine. So how, how many years before Godzilla's allowed a bus pass? Because Mothra is gone, Mothra is not there anymore. You know, Godan, you know, the whole gang, they're gone. King Adoris in some OAK, old age kaiju home. Yeah, yeah. So, well, well, he needs someone to keep him fit and limber. You can't do Sudoku with Lord Hands. I, I, I just wanted to rephrase what you say. You can't do Sudoku with Lord Hands. It, it, you know, it's, like, it's, it's slides from a top shelf kaiju magazine. Well, that was kind of the idea I was going for. Thank you for explaining my joke. I feel so Twice. much better now. That's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Tradition. It's an, uh, It was 1954, the first Godzilla. He's come quite yeah. a way. First movie was like sort of like fight, fallout of nuclear war. Do you know? And the, then the second movie, they basically gave him a cape and he beat people up. Yeah, on. yeah. Do you know the name Godzilla is actually from an earlier concept? It's uh, Gojira. It's, it's Gorilla. Monsters, isn't it? No, it's Gorilla and Kajira. Mm. Oh, thank you. Kajira yeah. is the word for whale. And at one point, the concept art was a combination oh, yes, of this, a gorilla yeah. and a whale. Yeah. But didn't they didn't like the design, but they liked the name. Is so it, they kept the yeah. name for the, uh, for the monster. Sort of, but yeah. They sort of embraced that sort of attitude to the design of the sound as well, because the iconic Godzilla Raw like, has a, everything from like, car a, wheels, no, uh, and, like, uh, truck engines and horns. and It's a double bass so much, being um, stroked... Please say it, Wendell, by a latex glove. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's very and sort slowed of Doctor down. Who Wii U noise. Well, it's in the same sort of p- time period as the Doctor Who yeah. sort of noises. Like, yeah. It's for the art. Yeah. I yeah. love that sort of stuff. Yep. Same. Finding out how things are made. It's, it's amazing. So when does Jet Jagar come into this? Jet Jagar can just go away. <laughs> can, so uh, is he the best thing about Godzilla? No, he's can not. Can I ask a question, Rob? Yeah? What address do we send the cards to? I want to send him a birthday card. Uh, I have no idea. Well, if you send him money, so it goes Pacific, to I would Ben assume. Marriott. So, <laughs> so if I just send the card to Godzilla, comma, you know where. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Godzilla from Monster Island. I get it, yeah. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, the only way to like send a direct message to Godzilla is to attack the Earth with a kaiju. <laughs> so yeah. he doesn't have that Batman thing where you like, shine a, a sign in the New York site. Like, no, I, th- I think you, you have to be it. a direct danger to planet oh, Earth. Okay. Yeah. That's a shame. But happy birthday, Godzilla. Otherwise, Godzilla doesn't need to get it out of bed for like no, street muggers. <laughs> That's not Godzilla thing. Happy birthday, Godzilla. Happy, happy birthday, birthday. You old fart of a lizard. And make the next American movie right. Not he goes to blow out the candle and then obliterates everyone with his atomic breath. <laughs> yeah. But it's Godzilla. And then Superman turns up. Says, what did I do? Yeah. What did I do? It's a How It Should Have Ended reference. It was a good one. It was a brilliant one. That was a joke. Uh, I explained my own joke. I was bad. Uh, <laughs> next, you <laughs> leave it to Rob to ruin your jokes. I know that's his job. He, he's, he should, bre- he's breaking tradition here. You should buy, buy me t-shirts that I explain all the jokes. jokes. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good idea. 
Right, uh, moving on. It's a fairly recent tradition, but a tradition nonetheless. Yes. Uh, scientists have uh, created ghosts in the lab by messing with people's brains. What? Does yep. this mean they kill people and turn them into ghosts? Uh, no, they basically um, <laughs> they play around with your perception of reality and make you and give you slight hallucinations, so you imagine you're seeing ghosts. Ooh. So they did drugs. They so, d- they did brainwashing. So basically, all they did is give people alcohol, and that'll, that'll do it. It was a ghost. <laughs> it's like oh, take- oh it's, a, it's a spooky ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the thing is, the way they did it, they uh, South Park references. They yeah. confused the brain by delaying responses to touch, which caused people to to see odd images in the room, kind of after effects of you know when you get that, those tracking shots and you see the hand motion. Yeah, yeah. Right, without your sense of touch, it, it it does weird things to your brain. All right, so like if if what you're seeing and what you're experiencing with other senses don't line up. Yeah, yeah, I see. It's uh, it's one of those effects. Could you try and do this with Oculus Rift? You probably could. Mm. Although I have seen some funny <laughs> so things. So poke someone while, <laughs> while <laughs> using the Oculus Rift. <laughs> Actually, if you the Oculus Rift, that. you could just play stuff going around the room and then the scene goes. Now, funny you should say that, because you know the whole idea that the brain rules the body, the mind controls all, the whole body. You know this telepathy thing of the internet that they've been playing around with? They've got managed to get some success with six people now instead of just what instead of just two, and if you could combine that technology with say an Oculus Rift and one of those power glo- those virtual power glove type things, mm. you could theoretically poke someone in the eye through an Oculus Rift. You can I'm also not- theoretically play a jazz fiddle. So I'm not entirely <laughs> sure about the telepathy thing, but I do know that Daniel Rad- Radcliffe is a wizard. Yes, he yes. is. He's also apparently horny. No, he's not. He's Hans. <laughs> it's a joke. Well, it's supposed to be pretty bad. That on American oh, on an American uh, talk oh, okay. show, they tried telepathy, and he answered all of the uh, the questions right. You know where they like? Sh- oh, who's, yeah. who's this? Daniel Radcliffe, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did you see the thing with Daniel Radcliffe where Jimmy Fallon says, "Oh, so you're like hip hop, right?" Yeah, and he, and he the, oh uh, yeah, he completely destroys that douche. Yeah, <laughs> 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 Uh, Black Alicious, I think, the A to Z of hip-hop thing. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Really impressive. Yeah. I don't but, like yeah. Jimmy Fallon, but... <laughs> that was an odd segue, but I'm going with it. Sorry. <laughs> yes, it was an odd segue. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Star Wars news. The uh, new... It's got a name. Yes, it's got a name. The Force Awakens. Because oh. it's been asleep for the first six movies. Oh. <laughs> well, it's been asleep for a while. Because oh. the next... No, the ne- the new Star Wars film is set around 30 years in the future. Yeah, after oh. the end of uh, Return of the Jedi. That's almost as bad as Dawn of Justice as for a title. Yeah. I want the Force, Force Awakens Rising. I can, I can understand it's the Dawn, of Justice, <laughs> the Dawn of the Justice League, but as a Third title, strike. Dawn of Justice. What was, Turbo Edition. So police didn't exist before that. Like, it was just kind of a free-for-all. <laughs> yeah. And then Batman there was no law, there was no cards. I am now justice. And there we go. Well, I think basically, <laughs> well, even if you think from a new hall... From A New Hope to Return of the Jedi, the Force is very is used very little. Well, I don't know. Well, I no, don't there's know only about a handful of individuals who even know what it is to it's use like, it. Yeah. Proper Jedi Masters use it, yeah. Yeah, yeah but that, and it that all, doesn't happen in the original trilogy. There's a, a Jedi Master. It was basically Yoda. I yeah, there's, there's Yoda, there's the Emperor, and there's Darth Vader and Luke, and that's... That's the entirety yeah. of the Force users in the original trilogy. Is lightning hands the Force? Because that was never actually explained. What? 
Lightning hands. Force. Lightning, yeah. uh, lightning, uh, lightning yeah. powers apart the force. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, in most of the games, if you go down full Sith route, you can go lightning hands. Ah, oh, okay. Is wow. there a jazz hands alternative? <laughs> that's if you go full dance hall route. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's I think that's Ben's route. Yep. Full dance hall. Oh man, he's up I may not have anything in any of the other skills. I, I really but think. Unfortunately, yeah. it ended this year, but there was uh, there was a show in the Disney in Disneyland called the um, the Hyperspace Hoopla, yeah, which was a dance off between Star Wars characters. Ah, yeah, I've you seen should that. really check it was... out on YouTube because some of the dancers are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Is this the same thing. I think it was like a just dance equivalent where they changed like popular songs and put Star Wars Connect. That was yeah. awful. That was, um, that was awful. Yeah. This is nothing like that. This actually <laughs> uh, has proper so dancers low. dressed as Boba Fett and Darth Vader. Yeah, Dar- Darth Vader's um, an, uh, version of Smooth Criminal. Oh, it was genius. And then when he gets Boba Fett in to do like a bit yeah. of a, a breakdown, <laughs> yeah. amazing. Uh, I've seen this. I thought was, I thought it was really funny. For some reason, all I'm picturing is an acapella band. <laughs> I kind of want that to happen now. <laughs> I need more people to join in, or it's not going to work. We're sorry, dude. No, you introduce the people one at a time. You don't all go at the same time. Do one person, then two person, then third. It's a layer. It's a yeah. layered effect. That what you're thinking of is a round. No, but have you never seen an acapella group start? No. Boom. I've seen them Wrong. finish after okay. like three <laughs> hours. Uh, so Anyway, moving on. Um, that was The Force Awakens is the yes. title of the new Star Wars film. Terrible yes. To sum up that last five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> terrible, terrible title. Ridley Scott is producing a miniseries sequel to 2001. Visually, he can do it. But yeah. Ridley Scott has not did a movie that actually had a story in his whole life. But there is actually a sequel... There are actually sequels um, to 2001. There's 2010 think... and 2021. They oh, already well, exist as well. sequels or not, he's got his hands pretty much full Ruin and Blade Runner. He doesn't need to do 2001 as well. Oh. Shots fired in and the it, direction of Ridley Scott. And at one, point, at one point, he was also talking about making a Monopoly movie. This guy can go to hell, frankly. <laughs> what? <laughs> Seriously, there was serious talk about a Monopoly movie. I, I need some backstory. I need to figure out how uh, people could go to jail at a moment's notice. I mean, how, how, I, did that, and, how did that dog get so powerful? I need to know. Not, a dog a man is... things that has like a modicum of sentience in that lineup. Yeah. How, how's the, the iron beating people? The top hat? If it's I like found out the that... iron, and it's not even a modern iron, it's one of those old Victorian irons that you have like... put over the fire and heat if, up. If I found like... out I was being charged by a, a thimble. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> dear God, there's one person who's got control of the entire world. There was... And it's a thimble. <laughs> there was a kind of riff on this sort of take on video game movies ages ago, like a spoof a trailer if they ever decided to make a Tetris movie. They have. And it was hilarious. No, seriously, there's... Oh, there's and then there was like a trailer saying, what if we made the Tetris movie, this is what it'd be. No, 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 they are actually Tetris talks. Oh my God, it was... I thought you would have known about this. It was a joke. Why did they go ahead and do it? No, it's not like uh, someone on YouTube made something that was funny. No, it's actual talk. Well, they did initially, yeah. but... Yeah. They took it... Oh, that's... That's bad. So 2001 doesn't need to be touched anymore. It's kind of... I am going to buy yeah, the motion picture rights to Hungry Hungry Hippos. 
It makes more <laughs> sense than Tetris. And could have the best horror franchise ever. It's basically Lake Placid, but with hippos. <laughs> Did you know hippos are the most dangerous animals in Africa? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got a tagline right no. now. I, it, it just have you never down. met man? In Africa, no one can hear you scream. Bang! <laughs> 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 I'm not sure what to say of that. See, right. I'm, I'm very lucky this show's re- pre-recorded because now I have the chance to uh, <laughs> it's it's share those rights before anyone else does. It's an aliens reference, man. I remember. Yeah, okay, and it's a Ridley Scott, so it's full circle. Now, just go to the next story <laughs> before he explains the joke of what this show is. Have you noticed I've just been quite quiet and leaving to it this time? Can they make a new type of Lego called Kubricks? They don't fit uh. together right. They make it so <laughs> Are you saving that one up on a new string? No, that just that just came out. That's a zinger. That's that's genius. <laughs> that's that goes, that's going on in t-shirts. Okay, next news story. Yes, um, the Internet Archive have created a free online arcade with over nine hundred classic games. Yeah, when you've got nine, does it have Battle Toads? Was it um, nine hundred? Did you say or nine thousand? Nine hundred. The problem Battletoads. I need I need this for the completion of this internet meme. I don't think it has Battletoads, but it's got stuff like Golden Axe, uh, Hang On, you know, Super uh, Hang On. Well, the original Hang On. Um, When it's got nine Commando, Tappers, all sorts of stuff like that. When it's got nine hundred, though, the line of where does it have spaces? Yes. Yes. (laughs) No, only if it's the arcade versions. The arcade versions of Dragons Dragons Lair and Space Age. Brilliant, yeah. So it's just basically... It's like a Don Bluth movie that you occasionally control. He was the original David Cage. Uh, Yes, he was. (laughs) Although Don Bluth was a lot more talented than David Cage. That was was a noise I made. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's 900, though, where they'll not draw the line of what a classic is. That'll be curious. Oh, it's got some classic titles in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, but when there's 900... I think they they're can't just all be classics. They're not. I don't. I wouldn't say they were all classics. I think they're just more in the, more in the in the way of let's put them out there, you know, and people can enjoy them rather than saying you know <laughs> we'll become, decide what's so, a classic and what's not. The licenses to making them is actually you know yeah gone. So this is why they're up there and no one's yeah. picked them up. So that's, that's cool. That's cool. No, actually, there was a Golden Axe um, came out a couple of years ago. So. Yeah, it's Beast Rider, it was awful. That's yeah, but it just doesn't someone know if the you are interested in, uh, in this, I'd check out things like Good Old Games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they have a massive library and <laughs> mostly free, DRM-free. Um, yeah, GOG.com is, the, uh, is mm. the web address. If you're making a game, never call it Beast Rider. That has so many connotations. <laughs> <laughs> but so is anything if you think yeah, about well, too much. True, but Beast Rider is a bit more obvious than most. I'm not even trying to hide that. Just Shall animal, we move on? Just call it Animal <laughs> Sex the video game. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. There's an outtake for you. We've done enough damage here. Let's just move on to the next town. Yes. Um, WTF Award. A, uh, some crazy idiot has volunteered to be eaten alive by a snake on television. Oh, there was that episode of uh, the IT crowd where Moss inadvertently, like, uh, Gets in touch with a German oh, yes. who was a cannibal. He was and a fine young cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> didn't realise it. And then, yeah. Oh, you meant I want to cook with you. Yeah, yes. It was a great episode. And it's Richard Ayad, it was yeah. brilliant. I like I like Richard Ayad. So it, 
why does he want to be eaten by a snake? Well, this is uh, something on the Discovery Channel uh, program called <laughs> Eaten Alive. Um, is he going to blog while he's in there? It claims to show a man being eaten alive by an enormous anaconda while wearing a snake-proof form of clothing. <laughs> <laughs> is it also well, a anaconda snake not. <laughs> it's like pan-proof, you know. Massive. No, is he caught in Teflon or something like that? So if you hit me with a pan, it won't affect Speaking of anacondas, uh, Ben sent me a video that was a version of Nicki Minaj's Anaconda, but is actually an educational um, <laughs> song about anacondas. Yep. You can't My anaconda you can grow. grow. My anaconda grow. Uh, there's another song. My anaconda Nikki, Nicki Minaj's grow anaconda. Go up to 30 foot on... <laughs> <laughs> Outtakes, Nicki Minaj. The green anaconda lives in South America. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Is that the last story? Yes. (laughs) Are we going into music? Uh, I I don't know what to make of that story. So he's wearing snake-proof clothing. Yeah. (laughs) Is it snake skin? Because snakes can't eat snakes. I don't know. As far as I'm aware. I don't know. Did this guy just go, Oh, fancy being eaten by a snake. I wonder if anyone will pay me to be (laughs) eaten. Eaten by a snake. And then he realised, I can't actually get the money if I eat some... I, I, I hope he's live tweeting as it happens. He's just like, <laughs> oh, it's got my legs. Lol. My legs. <laughs> Sorry, but uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't want to see the tweets when he gets to the, gets to the uh, exit. Is there a... FTL, FTL, FTL. <laughs> well, I, yeah, snakes tend to like digest their food for days, if not weeks. I know. So I'd like to see. I mean, the the sad thing is, in order to get him out, they're probably going to have to kill the anaconda. Oh yeah, mm. poor anaconda. He didn't do anything. He didn't want to eat a person to be cut open. Exactly. <coughs> uh, which is, I, I don't understand why anybody would think of doing something like this. Uh, why not just get like a tiny little camera and get the get the snake to swallow that? It just pass out the other end <laughs> after the snake's done. Uh. <coughs> We, is that it? Yeah. I think it's time for a break there. Oh, were, we, were we having too much of a conversation for you? Apparently. No, we've gone on with the news long enough, I think. Not uh, enough jokes for you to explain. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I wish I had a handbag for that moment. <laughs> uh, I'm going to bring air horns <laughs> just for when the sick burns come out. Right, we'll be back in a few minutes. Hey, this is Nico Robin from One Piece. And you're listening to The Geek Show. Welcome back. During the break, I thought of the worst movie ever in the eyes of Rob. I'm going to pitch it to you right now. You know all the superhero movies coming out? I do. We make a movie based on Luke Cage, starring Nick Cage, directed by David Cage. He had me until David. And I want to murder you. I, I, I like it because you could just say Cage is Power Man. You don't say which cage. <laughs> Starring Cage. Directed by Cage. It would be, it'd be, it'd get stranger if you actually switched the director and the actor around and had David Cage's power man directed by Nick Cage. Uh, okay. Are we, uh, doing some reviews first or are we going to do some uh, talking? We can do some talkings if you want. Uh, we go with movies? Yes. Stick to a traditional sort of, uh, yeah. Outlet for the show. Uh, movies. <coughs> we were talking, Rob and me, yesterday. Right. Because we kind of... Um, this is a show we're not going to have like a consistent running theme for it. We're just going to ma- mix and match theme, like uh, ideas from each section to section. And the movie one is... 
uh, are the biggest, loudest sort of studios uh, influencing movies for the better. And that is to say that uh, Marvel has announced their palette for what they're going to be released for the next four years, and they've given a specific date for it. Yeah. And building on that, uh, Harry, I don't know if it was the first, but Harry Potter, it split its last film up into two segments. Mm-hmm. And now you're seeing that all over. Well, Twilight did it. Avengers is going to be doing it yeah, for the yeah. Avengers. Uh, well, the point is, is yeah. with all of these Mockingjay. things that sort of yeah. popularise some sort of way of doing something that wasn't done before. And then you've the extreme exa- version of it, which using is these the examples. Hobbit. Using these examples. Yeah. And there's also all the horror movies. Insidious was popular, and there's been a million copies of it since. Are all these things good for movies, or is it influencing them for the better, or is it, be- like, bad? I see what you mean. That like, Given that we we know what's going to be the, like, the structure for the releases of Marvel, will that mean that uh, other studios, they'll have a an idea of what they can release when how <laughs> well, well there is that do. yeah but I imagine all the studios kind of have an idea of who's releasing what when yeah but they just don't publicise it well yeah but now that it's all out there it means that yeah, uh, yeah. Um, am I going to put this film out against yeah I mean you have like been stories in the past where like Transformers has been out and there's been like little indie films which have like one screen for one day and then disappear I mean, those little indie films can say, not touching that weekend with a large ball. It's like whenever a Call of Duty comes out, that's the only thing that comes out. Because everyone knows this is when Call of Duty comes out. We won't launch around then. Mm. But not just that. The other things as well, like splitting a story into two films. Is is that a good thing? Bad Mm. thing? Well, in terms of uh, book adaptations, it can be, yes. But you say as if, like, um, it's Harry Potter... I'd say well, that, that was the first one that came out of my head. I mean, I'd argue things like uh, Back to the Future. Well, that number two was, well, two and three was supposed to be mo- like one movie. Yeah, but and you the, can tell there's a, yeah. yeah, yeah, there's a definite split. So I, sometimes I think a story can take longer than like well, a few hours. To yeah, yeah. With, with the last Harry Potter movie, it was quite a large book, so it could work as two movies. Well, yeah, the, the but then was... you've got something like The Hobbit which has been split into three movies. Well, in the case of Harry Potter, I will defend the Deathly Harrows. Har- Harrows, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which dub, dub did you watch? Yeah, yeah, it was the King John Hill from Team America dub. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, the first, like, Deathly Hallows Part 1 was a really sort of bare-born, stripped-back sort of drama about the sort yeah. of... how what Like, the first moment of proper respite for the kids on the yeah. whole series. And the second half was... Violence and death, and there's a werewolf chewing that girl from that film, and then before or something. Yeah, it was just two completely diametrically opposed sort of stories. Which is why it worked. Which worked, but, but I, then, I can't. I can't say if what's what about something like Avengers. Twilight. Oh, I think Twilight uh, was perhaps more doing it because Harry Potter did it. Yeah, it it was a very. I think Harry Potter was a big trendsetter in terms of how to do a literary adaptation. Yeah. And I think there were a lot of films trying it and well, failing. The Hunger Games Mockingjay. I've read the book now. Um, well, if anything, I, I don't see where if, it could break. If up. any of the trilogy should have been a two-parter, it Catching should. Fire. Yeah, Catching yeah, Fire, yeah, the, the middle one. That the more events happen in that book, exactly. Than than in Mockingjay, yeah, there, yeah. there's a lot of big important scenes that just sort of happen quickly in the well, not only film that they should have spent yeah. more time on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. But not only that, in the book, in Catching Fire, there's there's several 
definitive places where they could have just broken things up mm-hmm. and split uh, them into two movies. So, so to build on this question, you, yeah. you're basically saying it's a good thing, but when the story it, it, warrants it, not just say... When the, the story Hobbit warrants it, yes. Three yeah. books, I can see films that in, in sometimes yeah. it almost means that if we split the end, people have to see the ending. Yeah, of course. If yeah. you split a middle part into two... I don't think there'll be the um, the drive to see it. Well, that's true. I mean, the case in The Lord of the Rings, it was a trilogy. It needed to be a trilogy, if anything. Probably more films, to be honest. The but Lord of the Rings, yeah. The second film, I don't think it warrants its own existence because there's not enough there. It feels like there's a stopgap, like a, a bit of punctuation between the two... Like uh, uh, The Two Towers, you mean? The Two, no, two Towers is, is awful, I think. It's the worst film, the and like Return of the King and Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Are the meat of that franchise. And there's the third a, one, the middle yeah, one. Doesn't, doesn't in a way, there's really a work. lot set up in Two Towers that needed to be, because the Fellowship oh, has a oh, very yeah, no. different feel to Return yeah. of the King, and to go from what that to the other would be yeah, a, a I, big yeah. jar. I just realised what I was saying now. It means Return of the King and Fellowship of the Ring needed to be longer. And that's the last thing that anybody <laughs> yeah. wanted. Those films were already plenty <laughs> yeah. long. What I'd like to know is, what who had the bright idea to break up The Hobbit into three movies? If you, the because, thing is, there's a lot of events that happen very quickly in The Hobbit, the book. Yeah. That are very, I mean, I'm actually looking forward to the new one, The Battle of the Five Armies, because I feel that the book does not explain what happened no, in that right. battle. You're, you're right. Very well at all. Well, I'm, but I mean, if you go back to the first movie, I mean, it, it, it's actually quite, it's actually quite prominent in the book that Legolas is not there. I'm not even supposed to be in this. Well, neither movie. Uh, Tamriel is obviously just yeah. added to the film, but oh, um, and the whole romance thing between the dwarf and the elf it doesn't exist. The elves hate well, the dwarves. Well, they do have to patch it up a bit in sort mm-hmm. of context. I think that's the sort of real. We're talking about good stuff that uses it. I mean, we yeah. might not agree with Hobbit being like uh, three movies. Cause it doesn't well, need well, to my be point is that I, I would not mind if the Hobbit was two movies. Oh, of course, could have worked as two better, movies. It yeah. could have worked as one movie. But by doing it into three movies, they had to, they had to basically put in more information um, well, the, when it did when it didn't actually have any information. The, the, majority of the, the Battle of Five added. Armies, I'll, I'll agree with Dave. It needs definitely needs more well, in that. Not to, I don't want to spoil it in case anyone has read the book, but it's not a good payoff when characters that you've like mm. developed developed like, so yeah. well are. Yeah, they're not treated very well at the end of the book whatsoever in terms of the what happens. Yeah, you, you, we are talking about the good side of this, though, really, aren't we? I mean, mm-hmm. there is movies that do it badly. I mean, in the wake of... I won't say in the wake of uh, The Hunger Games adopting the sort of turning two films into one strategy. Yeah. As they like, spawned a lot of awful tasks coming out there. But on the success of The Hunger Games, many other sort of YA young adults' uh, successes have kind of come out the woodwork and see million dollar selling book franchise turned into a movie that nobody cares about. Mega's Runner is an example of a film that didn't really need to be happening. Uh, Divergent. Mm. All these, you know, movies yeah, well, that popped yeah, out. I'd say the, the same thing happened when Harry Potter was at the peak of its height. Uh, it wasn't as bad, I don't think. No, I mean, it's because you don't remember that, like... Well, there were some good ones, I think. Uh, the one with Nick Cage was ironically pretty good. The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah, yeah, quite uh, like that. But, there was things like Percy Jackson. There was uh, Lemony Snicket's. There was the Narnia adaptations. There was. See, I liked Lemony Snicket's. Yeah, so did I. They're, I they're meant to be uh, developing into a TV show, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think it worked better as a TV That's show than a movie. People, but, yeah, agreed uh... with. Okay, so um, the thing is, 
people are going to look at these things and go like, oh, we can do that, and they're going to do it and do it badly. Hmm. But, like, that's what always happens. Like, I remember when, like, longer films started coming out and people were like, oh, we can make longer films. Yeah. I, I don't think that's... I, that, I that's, can understand where you're coming from. Except now, like, people do make longer films, but they make longer good films. Well, that's debatable. I think a film doesn't really need to be longer than 90 minutes, but... I can see where you're coming from, yeah. Yeah, if it needs to be. Like, people, when something starts happening, people are like, oh, we need to start doing this, because you can do this. You're saying, like, the 3D craze, for example. It's Um, like... Films that didn't have the amount of time or development that Avatar uh, did all tried to be 3D, and it was to their detriment in most cases. I do think 3D is... It's gone, basically, now. It's not... As mm. prominent as it was it's, by half. Except, um, I'm just saying, like, it's sort of... Everyone does everything at first, and then it becomes refined. Mm, the people true. who can do it and do it well, they stick around. The people who can't do it, they stop doing it. Because they can't. Yeah. People get... Fair. Everyone has to try it to try it out. But once they know what works and what doesn't, because the place is so oversaturated with it, people start to work out the patterns. Yeah. If loads of people are making free parters at the moment, then let them, because later people work out what works as free parts and what doesn't. True, true that. Got experiment so that... It does have a bit of a boom and bust kind of cycle. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, you will get something that's oversaturated. At the minute, I would say that maybe, yeah, maybe the uh, the Marvel-style films are getting oversaturated. Yeah. Which is what kind of frustrates me to the core point, the idea that we know exactly what's going to be out until 2020. Because honestly, there is a sort of a movement of people who are genuinely annoyed to hell with the fact that there's so many like, Marvel movies. But the thing is, they're not because we know what everything is until 2020, we're acting as if we have them all now. Oh, no, I understand that. But I, I don't want to know what I'm going to be doing one weekend in yeah. 2017. Well, I want absolutely, to be next Comic-Con... What is their hype announcement yeah, going to be? That's true. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's something that um, saddens me about knowing what all the hero mm. films are. Like, I, I don't have anything to be like, oh my god, I can't believe it. I mean, yeah, like, I, I agree. I was expecting them to do a Black Panther, hoping that they do a Black Panther, but just kind of making a no-nonsense, yeah, it's a thing. It doesn't really mean well, anything I, to me, but if they did like a big, exciting announcement at Comic-Con, I would have been way yeah. more excited for it. Mm-hmm. So now, like, they can go, there's Black Panther come like, I know, you said in your thing. It's, exactly, exactly. It's not a surprise. Uh, See, which is why the Hungry Hungry Hippos movie is going to take the, the industry by <laughs> it's gonna, storm. It's going to be a game changer. Dave, you've announced it today. <laughs> it's going to be a game changer, that one, isn't it? Oh, yes. Uh, are we going to do a <laughs> review or are we going to go to some music? We can do a review first if you want. Well, I've got two movies. I've got two as well. Out of the way, so do you want to go or me? Oh, I can do, uh, I can do, I can do Redshift first if you want. You can do what? Oh, Redshift. Red I thought you said Redshirt. Okay. It's a Star Wars movie. No, Star no Trek, it wasn't because I was looking up Ben. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Redshift, this is the uh, BFI sci-fi yeah, it's, film. Uh, it's, uh, BFI, uh, British Film Institute, have been doing this uh, <clears throat> this release of what they call classic sci-fi. And, British sci-fi. Oh, British, classic British sci-fi. And one of the movies that they uh, sent over to us was uh, Redshift, which was made in the 1970s by Alan Garner, mm. who I know better as an author who wrote The Weird Stone of Brisingerman and other like kids' fantasy books. So, like so that. Redshift referring to the... 
phenomenon that if you observe stars and planets under certain lights, they have a red afterimage, which shows that they're moving away from the centre of the universe. Ironically, that doesn't play a part in it at all. It can be referenced <laughs> in the title. That, that's what it is. <laughs> that is exactly what Redshift is. And I'm not sure why the movie is called Redshift. Um, doesn't need to be reason for it. Well, it, it's an odd film, and it, it's about... It starts off with um, a kid and his girlfriend during the nineteen seventies. His parents live. Are they moving away from the center of the universe? No, uh, it's not like <laughs> five centimeters per second or anything like that. Either. Um, they basically the kid lives in a caravan with his mom, and he's strangely articulate. He uses lots of big words and stuff like that, which his parents obviously don't like. He's possessed by the devil. Yeah, so, um, uh, and then from there, <clears throat> it flicks back in time to kind of a uh, Roman uh, Roman. Um, era when they invaded Britain and then they've got some guy who's supposed to be like a berserker who's quite a thin guy doesn't look very muscular and there's a a very homoerotic scene where one of the guys got hold of him stroking his head and going big words big words huge words I'm like um, what am I watching? What's going on here? I thought this was a movie made in the 1970s the 1970s the next thing you know he's grabbed his axe and he's running at the enemy and killing them I uh, I don't understand what just happened there. Is he moving away from the center of the universe? Well, Possibly, I don't. To be know. honest, seventy sci-fi was more dreamscape, and it wasn't like led by a this a wasn't clear dreamscape sort of narrative. It's this just, wasn't dreamscape. This okay. was straight up jumping around in time. And oh, then, oh, well, this the dreamscape quality of that. And then it goes back to the kid. And then after that, it goes back to some kind of um, what's the word? You know, the period of Oliver Cromwell and that lot, uh, Roundheads and Cavaliers. Where like the 17, 17, 1700s. 17, 1700s. Yeah. Isn't it 1766-ish? Um, oh, he's yeah, specific. Around, specific. Uh, somewhere around that period. And the again, Civil War. Again, this whole, uh, this whole axe thing plays a part in it. And I don't understand what the axe is supposed to represent. I, ha- I oh, really so have no idea. It's a very sort of... Uh, conceptually sort of intellectual. It doesn't really it explain is. itself. It just kind of... It says, swings if you get it, about. you get it. If you don't, well, tough luck. So it swings in roundabout sort of approach. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, what do the roundabouts represent? I, exactly. Well, you get a lot of that sort of thing in 70s sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's, one of those, it's one of those very conceptual movies. I didn't get it at all. I'll be honest. Uh, I sat there and watched it, and I was confused for most of it. Is that a bad thing, though? No, it's not a bad thing. Because it can be good when done well. Like, yeah. Unfortunately, this point. wasn't really done well. Because yeah. the lack of ex- it really needed something for the viewer to actually sink their teeth into. Are you saying kind it of- needed a Rob at the end to go uh, to explain the joke? Which Rob? Him or me? Both of you. Both as bad as each other. Apparently, they've got that guy in Interstellar, so he he's getting about. He'll get there eventually. <laughs> Especially with time going all over the place, he'll get there. So it needed something to to explain the narrative slightly, so you knew what was connecting these events, or at least what the theme or well you. Not even that. You just needed some sort of reason to invest the time into watching it because the characters aren't really that great. So, to the core of the issue, this isn't the sort of film that's been released to sort of appeal to a new audience who might no. discover Red Shift. It's the people who grew up watching like seventies British sci-fi, yes, and want to see that again in the sort of the best content, yeah. like best presentation that they possibly could. Yes, I mean there are a couple of extras. Um, uh, on the DVD, which are quite interesting, which do actually go some way to explaining what happens in the movie. But when you're actually just watching the movie without the extras, you will end up scratching your head for a while. Well, again, it's for those people who know 
than Adalis. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you say that it, uh, you mostly know the uh, the director as an author, hmm. and so perhaps uh, followers of his fiction might have a better. Does it connect with any of the, his works or no? Okay, <laughs> it was just them, you know, scratching an itch. Then yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. Okay, uh, can I do a movie review or yeah. can we break for a song? No, go for it. Uh, so I've got two to do today. I can do Cabinet of Dr. Caligari or Brute Force. I think I'll do Cabinet of Dr. Caligari and get through that quicker. Uh, it's one of these... I've heard of this movie. Because I mentioned it a bit, I think. <laughs> I ain't taking all the credit for it. <laughs> uh, but uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari is one of the most influential silent films. It's one of the most influential horror films, per se. Uh, the story is is a town in Germany which has like a fair coming to town with all sorts of things and there's this uh, strange man turns up at the uh, the planning office and says, can I bring my uh, stage show, my... I know why here. I've heard of this. Go on. Uh, because part of the plot of the League of Gentlemen is based off this. Yeah, yeah, there is that sort of... The League of Gentlemen were very literate with the things they were referencing. Uh, but the... Uh, the story is he comes to town with his thing, uh, with his show he wants to put on with the uh, carnival, and it's a somnambulist, a person who is 24 years old, and he has slept every single uh, day over that 24 years. And the sort of the, the stage presence there, the stage show there, is ask him any question, and he will give you an answer, like a really accurate answer. It'd be completely true. And uh, from that, it sort of sets off a chain of death and murder in the uh, German village that all sort of tie back to this somnambulist. Uh, and the interesting thing about it is it's... I mean, there's a convention in film called The Unreliable Narrator uh, where there's the person who you sort of pin on as the lead character, you cannot trust what he says. I mean, you think he's like a reliable person to talk through the movie at first, but... By the time the film's ended, it's just completely swept the uh, rug from underneath your feet. Mm-hmm. In that, it's been credited by many and a lot, I can't think of any sort of earlier examples, of uh, the first ever twist ending in cinema. And visually, I think it's much, much, much more exciting. Uh, because when you think uh, the idea of a film being sort of uh, plucked from somebody's head and they sort of reflect in the madness of somebody's head, it's very hard to do that in a very literal sense. But because it's very early cinema and it has a sort of a stage aesthetic to it on, it's been like presented and built up like sets, like these weird, horrible, dark shapes, uh, jagged edges. It just really reflects like the the, the uh, unreliable narrator quality mm. of the uh, the guy who's sort so of leading it. It's black and white, isn't it? Oh, can't. Yeah, it's black and white. Which I do it, find with visuals because they can be much more expressive. I yeah, I do say like the silent film is pure cinema because I don't get bogged down in dialogue and you just put images out there and be really, really expressive of it. But uh, it's one of these, if you are halfway serious about your cinema history or you want to see where a lot of the ideas that sort of form modern sort of genre films come about. I mean, take Tim Burton, for example. His style all sort of came from here. Mm-hmm. I mean, The Sonambulist is basically Edward Scissorhands. That's the sort of aesthetic look he's going for. But uh, generally, it's it's just a really, really tight package. It's been done really nicely by 
masters of cinema and I'm going to slap Ben around the side of the face <laughs> in a minute because he's doing shit <laughs> but uh, it's a really nicely put together package they've got like the uh, written content that masters of cinema do so well it's very light on extras on disc it's just like a commentary I'm going to slap both of them now uh, Rob and uh, Ben but uh, the it's just a really really nice I mean it, honestly it counts as one of my favourite films so. if it counts as anything I was interested in the words you were saying even Thank if, you. The, even if you these did. guys were just I respect uh, that. I was two. listening. But you were trying to distract me at the same time. You're terrible. You no, it's just... You said Edward Cezanne's, I felt the need to do the pose, but then I'm like, I'm doing radio. Yeah. So uh, then my next instinct was dance. Okay. Well, that also made no sense since we're radio. Speaking, uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari is one of my favourite movies. And if you want to see why I like the films I do, go and watch that. Because it's outstanding. Fantastic. Really, really good stuff. Right. Time for a break there. Uh, yeah, we'll be back in a few minutes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Stuart Samita. I'm here at Animex all the way from California, and you are listening to The Geek Show. Welcome back to The Geek Show, thegeekshow.co.uk. Yeah. You already know that if you're here because you press those buttons in your browser. You see, this room we're in is weird. It's making my mind want to do weird things because there's a sign, like a poster over the other side of the, in my eye line. Is if not now, when? And he's just thinking, is this, should this be the day when I run and streak through the university? Because that well, sign is telling me this would be a fresh idea. It would. According to the poster behind you, you should make things happen. And it would be thinking <laughs> positive, like that one says. And I will be believing in myself. Well, the thing that annoys me about that one, I'm not sure about <laughs> dreaming big. Yeah. Yes, it is a cold day out. Um, <laughs> the thing that annoys me about that thing positive one, it's all, it has negative above the thing crossed out. So. Originally, before I was crossed out, it said nev- negative, think positive. But if negative, and I don't know what that means. Negative is crossed out. That's a double negative, surely. <laughs> That's a very English thing of you to say. <laughs> That's how Americans think we talk. Yes. Anyway, games. Yes, we're games. on the game section, and again, we got like the I mix and games ma- once. We we got the mix and match policy, and I think this was inspired by uh, Sunset Overdrive which is sort of online and open world. So the idea is... Actually, these sort of player campaigns a lot of fun. I, I want to play it a lot. It looks so much fun. Like fun. fun. It's like Jet Set Radio, but with guns. That's what yeah, it the, like. the, initial, <clears throat> the initial about an hour of it, definitely. Uh, in fact, when you say guns, most of the guns are improvised weapons. Oh, well, it's, uh, yeah, um, it's done by Insomniac. Yeah. did Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. Who just have um, for example, weaponry. one of the early weapons is an LP player that flicks oh, out LPs I like, at them. I, yeah. I like that. Um, a lot of the and uh, it's like a zombie apocalypse, but if energy drink caused it, that's, yeah, that's a really cool idea. But from that sort of game, I started thinking MMOs and uh, open world games. We've kind of been crossing over for a while. With, well, if you think about things like Destiny, then definitely. Uh, I don't know if it's if open yeah, world well, per se, but I was thinking more World Dark Warcraft, Souls. World Warcraft, Dark Souls, uh, MMOs and uh, open world games becoming one and the same. Well. Um, the uh, the new announcement from Blizzard this week was uh, Overwatch, first yeah. new franchise in seventeen which years. Is 18, a, I believe. Which is an FPS. Oh. <laughs> sorry, the <laughs> character design <laughs> and environment look brilliant, yeah. and the character classes look really diverse and a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah. But um, that does seem somewhere in between what you were talking about between open world and MMO. I don't think it's a good place because uh, it's imagine uh, Red Dead Redemption. 
I mean, and if every play, per, every per, every cowboy walking through the street is controlled by somebody else. Well, if that'd you, be super If you cool, play GTA Five's online yeah. mode, that's basically what you get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the only without the duels. Well, you could if you had Red Dead, Revol- Red Dead Redemption, as Rob said, you could ha- you could have like a dual mode. Well, that was the multiplayer it. of Red Dead Redemption. Were you just all in the open world? And oh, you that's, could, that's cool. You could duel each other. You could play cards. You, you could join do like everything you want. Yeah. So it goes back even further than Arena. Right. Then. So yeah. is this going to pretty much? Is it not going to just be online mode and then like story or campaign mode? Is it just going to become one and the same? Because that was kind of what Destiny was pushing for. I, I think it is, and I think especially now with next gen, it's become a lot easier to do this. Like, so oh, you've got sure, things like yeah. Destiny, and then you got Tom Clancy's The Division as well. Mm. Is that actually being announced as an MMO? I uh, vaguely recall something like that. But uh, yeah, they've even been comparing themselves to Destiny, but saying they're. Do gonna do it right? <laughs> That's well, they have actually been saying I think that. The <laughs> issue with this though is that games traditionally, like a movie, um, they are a short linear experience. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which means that the amount of content is a finite thing. True. Where in an MMO type open world type thing, it keeps getting updated and updated. And most people won't experience. Even a portion of the content. Yeah, well, that's, so, a, that's a good thing if it's enjoyable. Well, it is, but with, the development yeah. cycle of Destiny was years and years. Yeah. So yeah. if you're saying that like games in the future need to be doing this as standard, well, I don't mean yeah. that. I mean the AAA sort of open world is it going to be sort of swallowed by? Is that going to become the standard? But that, would that mean if if Red Dead Redemption Two comes out? Yes, yeah. If it doesn't have yeah. its open world thing. I still want to play the story oh, section of course, of, uh, of course, but I'm just sort of, you know, pipe dreaming here. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it doesn't happen, I'm fine with that, because I love sort of open-world things. It's the sort of game I can just go nuts and, you know, run into yeah. the background with. But if I had sort of an online capability there, you can do missions with people. It's not just... Because well, I think the problem with Borderlands, that, this is my yeah. issue, Borderlands is you're a guy with a gun go there, you're a guy with a gun go somewhere else. You've got co-op there, but it doesn't really have any sort of depth but well, if it sort of incorporated more MMO policies into that, would it become... But like if it was more like Diablo type thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. That's what it essentially is. The interesting thing that, you, that, you, that, you, that you're talking about there is that Dave's playing Final Fantasy XIV, I'm playing Final Fantasy XIV, and that's basically, you could go off and do just the campaign thing on your own, Every so often, the campaign forces you to do a raid with if you've got an option, uh, with, yeah. with, uh, with other players. But generally, you can either join up with a, join up with a guild or go do raids with people, you know, or whatever you want to do. Or you can spend most of your time just wandering around doing your own thing. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have you know, that option. And I like the fact that it's one of the reasons I'm still playing it is, be, is because I have that option. I don't have to go and do this, or, and I don't have to go and do that. If I get bored of the campaign, I can go and do something else. I'll just go exploring. They added a new patch about two weeks ago, said, and I haven't caught up with two patches ago. I just killed Leviathan the other day. I, it does seem like it's kind I'm of been introduced. Two primals behind. <laughs> yeah, Dave, uh, 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 I'm like four. <laughs> it does seem like they're doing this without anybody actually noticing. Though. I mean, I'm suggesting it, but it's actually happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a good thing, I think, because that's one of the sort of the game types which is just sort of stuck in the mud. Really, it's not really going anywhere. It's just here's a big open world, do stuff. Well, no, I, think I said that's, that's not a problem. Well, no, like, I mean, Red 
uh, Red Faction, whatever it was, when I it was on like Mars, game was marketing like open part play. of the problem there, dude. Because yeah. like I feel yeah. like the amount of content that's in GTA Five, you it's, can still be playing really. it now. It could, but it kind of nose dives after the missions. It's, it's not really anything as interesting. I am still playing Skyrim. Really? Oh. Yep. Wow. I'm, There's a lot to I'm still Skyrim. finding new places. And like I'm just walking off into the distance and having an adventure, and it's a lot of fun. I'm and even like not open world games, just like um, yeah. uh, Dark Souls. Can't get enough of it. It's amazing. Yeah. I don't need to have a billion other players about me to have a good time. I oh, know, but and I think that if you want to have an MMO, you have to sacrifice a single player. True. Not necessarily. Yeah, are you saying like some sort of ritual? No. We have to sacrifice <laughs> a single player. Yeah, so it's just... To make, not so without the make a story suitable for multiple players, it's going to have to be different to a story made for a single player. True. And you can't quite have the same amount of depth. Actually, not necessarily. Rob, Rob like, is probably going to mention that 14's story does work for a single player. Yeah, it really yeah. does. It's actually quite... In depth good. as well, yeah, but, then, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, if you've played things like Warcraft, you'll know that quite often it's like, ah, you hero number fifty-six. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, if you have a single character you can concentrate on, you can develop that character really well. Yeah, it's like um, the characters in, um, like Shepard in Mass Effect, is a really good character because they can develop it they can have people around it with like going, land going back to um, good though going back to sunset overdrive yeah the character is actually a creator character yeah yeah when you start up and that's um, the thing created characters in generally are awful and that, but that's actually, really good it's actually really good um they're expressive they fit in the cutscenes. they react to other characters in in much and you can have the bearded lady for some reason you can yeah um <laughs> facial hair is an option for female characters cost reasons apparently <laughs> going back to what you were saying Ben about the whole like uh, Mass Effect thing I think uh, the Star Wars The Old Republic the MMO version did that quite well because it had the the dialogue choices yeah and then the, like the whole Paragon yeah. system like that and I think so you could develop your own character and you did have your own story so and I think MMOs always have like a lone player option because otherwise there's a lot of people that would be like missing the hunter, out. Or the lone yeah. wolf side yeah. of yeah. the class. So yeah. it's just like, I, I don't want to see the sacrifice of a decent single player just for the ad of an MMO system. There's room for both, is what I'm saying. Basically. And particularly when MMOs seem to go down like nobody's business. Mm. Sunset like, Overdrive seems to have that balance right. Yeah, Dark, um, well, Dark Souls 2 got the balance right as well. But it's not really an MMO. Well, it's, not really an MMO. it's not an MMO, but your, your game else. can be invaded yeah. by other players, or help which is, uh, you know, they can help you or hinder you, whichever. All I'm saying is that's that works. I'm looking you know, forward that to mechanic Bloodborne. actually works. I'm looking forward to that. Bloodborne well. looks nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just reminds me, um, Sleeping Dogs, they are not doing a sequel to that game, but they are taking the franchise and making an MMO-style game out of it. Kind of disappointed by that, because it was such a cool game. It was. It was, it was a great idea. Uh, review? Because I've got Call of Duty. I can yeah. Like um, on that. I suppose uh, uh, I suppose better do FIFA. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll go first. But uh, yeah. Call of Duty. Call of Duty. 
uh, advanced Call one. I've I'm, I'm heard of Call of Duty for a long, long time because mm-hmm. it became kind of tedious and the fan base kind of ruined it for everybody. They are the most focal, sort of bad online gaming community out there, I'd say, pretty much without, you know, a parallel. There are, there are definitely, uh, within the community, there are definitely some outspoken... Oh, hey, I'm not going to name names or anything because I don't know them, but... The yeah. uh, the community as a whole might be all right, but the ones you hear about are the it's, ones... It's, yeah, the most annoying are the most noisy, the noisiest mm-hmm. part of it. But uh, I think the interesting thing about this is it's called Advanced Warfare because uh, you go back to whenever yeah, it was released, uh, Modern Warfare, which was like the game that made the series. I think on it, Advanced Warfare is the game that rejuvenates the series uh, because it takes place 2056, I want to say. Something like that. Uh, when you are, the egg society has changed completely in a much more tech-savvy uh, world and we have exoskeletons that have like different modes. You can double jump, you can climb through. I can double jump. You can not really, but you can try. <laughs> I'm not going to prove it, but uh, you can. I climb, did it one time. You can climb up walls, sort of, uh, sort of uh, with uh, metal like um, some magnet gloves. I don't know how to describe them. It's just mm. very Spider-Man-esque, uh, and that opens up loads and loads and loads of possibilities. And it's not just running and gunning with all these sorts of exoskeleton modes. There, it introduces a whole new sort of waft of possibilities to you know get into some more mobility options yeah. more like something like titanfall in terms uh, of yes mm. and it, it introduces like a great amount of sort of verticality and speed to the game it's not just mm. you can camp somewhere and you know kill everybody in multiplayer. so i assume if, if you if you want to get to a sniper's position yeah yeah you have to have the right mode of the uh the exoskeleton. Yeah. but i think the Again, recalling it back to uh, Modern Warfare, the greatest thing about that was the single player. Well, it wasn't the greatest thing. It was a great thing about it in a, in a list, a yeah. laundry list of great things. But uh, the still voted as one of the greatest games I've played because it was a really great story and yeah. it felt amazing. Yeah, I think they've recalled that sort of glory in uh, Advanced Warfare because uh, it, it's the sort of game what isn't about let's just go from one set piece to the other, blowing everybody up. It has a sort of conscience to it, and the fact that the human cost of life in war and uh, your character, and in the second level, you attend the funeral, for example. And it's got a much more uh, honest spirit to it, really. It's not just like past previous games, it was what controversial thing is Call of Duty going to do this year? <laughs> Oof, those guys, shake the fist, you know. But uh, how many times is your character going to die? Yeah, we're up it, to seven in the last one. Let's see how many this time. Yeah, basically, it became like a laundry list of things, and I think uh, it just changes what like the goalpost in every level in the uh, mission campaign. You can, you know, there's lots of uh, like uh, vehicle missions which handle quite well, except the jet fighter, which is hard as nails. I couldn't do it. You know, it's got inverted everything, and just you know, <laughs> I couldn't do it. It was too much for me. And there's the different opposed to real jet fighters, which yeah, yeah, are yeah. Really oh, yeah. crazy, yeah. crazy. You just press start and it's off. Everything's spinning, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just changes the goalpost. Like there's different modes for the exoskeleton in every level, so it does keep it fresh, keeps it interesting. And uh, your character uh, loses an arm. Spoiler in the uh, first mission, so it introduces a sort of basically a cyborg character that you play as. Again, he is he's quite boring. So it's basically so, a Bionic Commando remake. Yeah, but good. <laughs> <laughs> but really, really good. Uh, and uh, 
the plot goes in some... Bo- I mean, I'll be honest, the plot is pretty boring. It does include things like the human cost of war and all that. And Kevin Spacey. And Kevin Spacey just kind of goes nuts and there's a war. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about all you read. There's now. a war in yeah, Call I of Duty! I look in the back of the box, it yeah. says includes Kevin Spacey. <laughs> it's like, it's, I mean, the cutscenes are one of these... I mean, I imagine it's even more true on Next Gen, but it's one of those things... I can't actually tell if it's real or not. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I I just enjoyed it immensely. I mean, I don't. I am. I think I've become the uh, first person shooter guy in the show, which is weird. But mm. it's um, it's a it's a front runner for game of the year for me. I can't understand how amazing it is and how much I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's, it seems like with the multiplayer as well, they have really shaken up, adding that verticality to it. It. I'm quite a big Titanfall fan, and it really does remind me of that it isn't the same the universe Titan. you were saying yeah it? it is it's got like the Atlas Corporation yeah. which make the Titans I mean the, the, the tech for the exoskeleton is basically very similar to the tech yeah and then they have the Titan. Goliath suit which is essentially a very small Titan yeah you suit. do get to use that towards the end of it so, yeah. um, <laughs> something I like is by introducing these mechanics that add verticality to your gameplay <laughs> it, it's added an extra level to shooters that have kind of They've stayed the same for yeah, quite yeah, a while. Yeah, well, like kind of Modern Warfare and Advanced and Warfare, it's just resetting it all. Yeah, yeah. and it's a yeah. good, 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 great game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so my review. I'm going to keep this one quite short because it yeah. is a FIFA game. Uh, FIFA 15, uh, the new and improved version of FIFA, which is with more ball kicking. Yeah, with more <laughs> ball kicking and more he- more heading of balls and more foot, more feet, uh, more feet, more feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It does. Is that the, it, would that be FIFA Advanced Football, where we go into a future with exoskeletons and cyborg footballers with extra feet? See, that playing. would be an amazing game. Uh, <laughs> what, what console did you play this on? Uh, PS4. Because on the PS3, it's fundamentally the same game. Is it basically the same? But it is the same game, only better looking. Problem you is, can see the grass on PS4. Oh, you can see the grass. I've seen the trailers. It's glorious grass. Yeah. Uh, the problem with FIFA 15 is that. Um, it doesn't feel like you're. It doesn't feel right when I think you're playing the, it. I think the problem there is because it is basically the same game. I mean, when you go next gen, you feel let's let's roll the cap out well, and do no, some. No, I played stuff. FIFA 14 on the PS4 as well. Um, the problem there's there's a difference in uh, in the sensitivity of the controls so between the 14 and 15. It's it's 14 actually feels like you're playing the game. Feels like that you feels like when you do something, the players react. Play, mm. You know, they, they react to it on screen. Mm. So is it slippier? Is it less it, responsive? It, it, it's it? it's it's a little bit of both, depending on what you're doing. If you're trying to do tricks and stuff like that, then it's a little bit slippier. If you're just kind of running, if you're sprinting with the ball down the line, right across the ball in, it's not as responsive. So it's, when you, it's you just tiny little bits. When you say slippier, so when you get the ball, the ball's not glued to your feet. There's yeah. a bit of a human error element there. Basically, I think that's yeah. a better thing. No, that's a that's a better thing. But it's the it, it's the lack of sensitivity when you want when you press the button to cross the ball, you yeah. want it to actually cross the ball. Ah, oh, so it's a bit of a lag there. Yeah, and uh, it, it's only by like really really small fractions of a second, but mm. it's noticeable. If you've played 14... The, the right, thing, so a little yeah. bit too much input delay. A little bit too mm. much input delay. The yeah. thing with this game is there have been quite a lot of news stories of the hilarious bugs at PS4 and Xbox One. Oh, God, yes, the bugs are back. Um, so it sounds like this is a bug, so it 
doesn't really feel fair to review it until it's like properly fixed. No, it's an yeah. input delay, yeah, something yeah. that's like uh, that would be that's a fundamental. Mechanics, that, yeah, 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 that's oh, a mechanical okay. thing that okay, that, that would have went through testing. Yeah, like bugs are stuff that you encounter because you never did this exact. You know, yeah, okay. I mean, the, the 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 bugs are the bugs are hilarious when they happen. I've had some. I've, I've had some. Is it as good as the tiny footballers in Madden? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's nowhere near as good as that. that. That still stands as one of the best sporting sports game bugs of all time. Um, it even beats you know Andy Carroll French kissing some other dude um, <laughs> on one of the previous FIFA's. Yeah, that was a uh, thirteen, I think it was. Yeah. Um, Fifteen though has its own set of bugs, and some of them. Some of them were great. Um, one of my guys just basically uh, scored a goal, ran into the ran into the goalpost, as in into the goalpost, and then just stayed there like that, <laughs> you know, just just mid road in situation. the goalpost. Uh, question: He's got a, he's got a pipe going through his head. Uh, it's basically if you kids today I mean, have head pipes. Yeah, we're introducing this sort of subscription service, and yeah. we could introduce some sort of updating the roster thing. <laughs> because essentially, it feels like FIFA 14 was the better game, and this is kind of well. This is the thing. I mean, the, the mechanics on FIFA 14 were better. Um, 15 has has the benefit of having really really nice graphics. Of course, um, but that's something that could also be achieved, uh, you know, with uh, you know download, downloading, you know, update patches stuff like that to the original game. Um, I think I, I, I'm still for, I still stand by my belief that FIFA should be one of those franchises that works on a subscription basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, if you wanted to go with your career mode, that would be a separate thing. But if you wanted to play live. You know, if you wanted to play uh, play live, then you'd basically set up your own team. Mm-hmm. You, you, instead of creating a creating a player, you create a team, and it give you like certain default stuff like that. And then you'd basically e- enter the leagues at which you know at like the lowest level, and you wake away up as you, as part of your career mode. I think that could work um, because you know it, it's something that would be the obvious next step for them. It's the same with all all these team sports games with Madden and you know the, with the NHL stuff like that. I think that's what they need to be looking at mm. rather than producing a new FIFA year in year out. It does feel like this is an opportunity for Pez to recall claim some lost ground. Oh well, we'll get to that next week. Well, it seems like it's for like the past few iterations of the series that this ultimate team's been the main selling point. Getting, yeah. buying uh, your FIFA points and creating your team to play online. But then there's always the frustration of people saying that the the servers are always going down or dropping and people are, like, are losing out. Yeah. And that's a thing that they need to address because, if anything, that's what people are playing for. Yeah. Okay. So yes. uh, anyway, we'll take a break there and we'll be back in a bit. Hi there. I'm Robert Rankin and you're listening to The, the Geek Show. Oh, yes. Welcome back to the Geek Show on the geekshow.co.uk for now and forever. Uh, and, uh, May it ever remain. In the animation uh, and graphic literature combo session. Boom! Yes. Uh, yeah, just, we'll job. do animation first. Just to start, well, I think I'll do my review first. It's uh, Brute Force. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just getting out there. I've got one review to go and it's done. It's movie. I've got like a, a three. 
Yeah, and I will do that at the end when nobody's listening. <laughs> Thank you. I'll do out of space after you're done then. Okay. But uh, Brute Force is a film release from Arrow. Uh, not their video label, it's from their sort of classics label. And it's uh, Jules Dassin, who's like sort of one of the godfathers of film noir, and he's done like a prison breakout film. Uh, I'll keep this much punchier, so it's not a great deal to say about this. But uh, the basic gist is uh, Bert Lancaster plays Joe, who is sort of the... He's the you know the good guy of the prison. Everybody you know sort of hangs behind him and hangs on his every word. And uh, opposite, I mean, is a prison which is full by about two times more than it actually should be. And uh, ahead of the prisoners is a, a kind of gaunt uh, prison head. I can't remember its name off the top of my head, which is pretty bad in my form, but I can remember all everything that's important. But basically, he has created the situation where he can maintain the prison. He has everybody, all the prisoners in his pocket, basically because he's a terrible human being. He manipulates people emotionally. He puts people in the back corners where they can't get out of, other than, you know, sort of follow his, telling them what they do, basically. And uh, he's super violent. Uh, for a 1947 film, so it, he's quite limited on the violence for what they can get away with. But more intimidation. And yeah, yeah, it's bl- applying bl- pressure. blatant intimidation, horrible intimidation. Uh, and uh, and uh, it, the basic story is they're leading up to a prison break, and the uh, sort of establishment of like establishing an atmosphere and establishing an order of the uh, yeah, the hospital and the uh, room at the cell R seventeen and sort of personalities in there is all done really really nicely as a sort of very brutal folly time again sort of atmosphere to it, uh, but unfortunately. I mean, leaning on that, he, he's got a very, very intense end to the prison break, which is just it's so satisfying. Such a tight, big, big uh, prison break film. The problem is, it sort of has this suggestion that none of the people in room Excel like R17 are actually in prison because they did anything sort of damaging to society. They were all put in prison for reasons where they had like a woman they love and sort of their. Uh, love created a situation where the only sort of result situation, the only uh, fate on that situation would be to get sent to prison. So, so like, all, like um, really romantic and melodramatic situations that inform them to get getting into prison. And for offset. example, the uh, the setup of Con Air, basically, where Nick yeah, Cage is yeah. in prison that for perfect, defending his woman in a bar fight. That is a perfect example. That is basically what everybody in that cell is. Nick Cage in. Uh, Conair, <laughs> and it kind of under- so it's like Conair, not in the air. It's Conair for the film. Do they have rabbits? Version of Conair. No, I no, don't. But I think that's the the problem with it. It's got like this really well crafted aspect of it. It's like a prison with a really ins- like horrible person at the figurehead and sort of really in- in- sort of intercell politics going like on. hierarchies. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and at the other end, it's got honking melodrama. And the two just don't fail. It's really, it was disappointing because I enjoyed it a lot, but when it breaks off into sort of, my love is too much so I have to go to prison to protect you. Sort of. What's motive? Exactly. <laughs> it's so disappointing because it could have been brilliant and it's sort of one of these films that's talked up and like the conversations into great prison dramas and it just doesn't deserve it. I was hoping for more and it, can't, it disappointed me with a melodrama. Mm. And package wise, it's a tight package, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have put together a really, really nice edition. They uh, do pack in a lot more extras into the, the Blu-ray and the visuals. And, uh, 
uh, presentation <laughs> of it is really nice, but I can't get around the fact that it just Excel goes into melodramatic mode far too easily and far too often. And that's uh, Brute Force out on Arrow, Blu-ray. Cool, right. Tech um, package. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. It's an odd uh, choice of words, I'm sorry. Right, um, I've got uh, Outer Space, which is uh, another one from BFI. Is this one of the series or just the movie again? No, no, it's actually three movies. Um, oh, yes, I This is part of their uh, kids' sci-fi movie uh, Well, collection. it was the uh, Children's Film Foundation. Yeah, the Children's Film Foundation. Um, it's three movies from uh, different periods uh, in British uh, cinema history. Um, there's three. Uh, the three are uh, Supersonic Saucer, Cardoying, and Glitterball. Cardoying. Cardoying. Oh, right, okay. Right. I thought I was just getting Cardoz in from it, each other. So. Supersonic Saucer is one of those black and white 1940s, 50s movies. It's basically uh, about a bunch of kids um, in a boarding school. Um, okay. There's some girls there. Their parents have gone away. They have to stay, in, stay for the summer in this, at the school. Along with uh, some of the some of the boys as well, mm. and one of the boys thinks he's seen this flying saucer. Nobody believes him, and then the girls actually meet the flying saucer, who is a creature from Mars. Who, in a very childlike way, you know, they explain it. He's an alien from Mars who can turn into a flying saucer, but he was the he was the only one who couldn't. So he was the last one to leave, sorry, not Mars. That Venus. Does... He was the last one to leave Venus, and he got he was so happy about being a fly as a flying saucer, he got lost on the way to Earth and decided to go exploring. That does sound a lot like the film from earlier this year, After Echo, but that was very American. This sounds very. British. Very British. It's very British. Yeah. It, 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 it's it, it's so British. All the uh, all the children are missing. Is the stuff stiff upper lip? So um, it's very Dickensian, you mean? No, thing. I mean it's very nineteen forties, fifties British. Okay, so more uh, David Lean sort of. Yeah, more David Lean than Dickensian. Um, thing is, it's actually not a bad movie. It's quite it's quite an enjoyable movie. When you say movie, is it full length or is it like uh, it's like, like an a, hour special? Or? It's like an hour special type okay. movie. Um, but it is it is quite an enjoyable uh, enjoyable film to watch mm. um, because it's very tongue in cheek. Uh, obviously, the bad guys have the slapstick comedy. The there's bad guys who are trying to uh, rob the safe in the boarding school, and ah, that's where the big money is. Yeah. Boarding room safes. <laughs> yeah. And you know this alien doesn't quite understand uh, doesn't understand Earth, so goes about you know taking the kids. Just say, "Oh, I fancy some biscuits and some jammy dodgers and things like that." And no, the alien goes great. out. Apparently, the alien. Uh, Do they the have alien, ginger beer? Yeah, they have ginger beer as well. Um, Sounds quite cute and endearing. It is. Um, the the way they've done the alien as well is is quite cute in a slightly disturbing way because it's basically just this white sheep with a slight E.T. head and eyes that follow you everywhere. Mm. Uh, um, I like that. Yeah. So, like, naive, like, yeah, I guess he doesn't understand metaphors and terms and phrases, so no. it's like things... No, but he also doesn't have a mouth. <laughs> he also doesn't have a mouth. He <laughs> communicates through telepathy. Um, what, what about the... Would it be a recommend this one on... Well, it depends on what you think of the other two films. Kadoing is basically... Kadoing. Uh, Kadoing. So it's like onomatopoeia, like Kadoing? Kind of. Okay. But not. Um, Kadoing is uh, about uh, an alien man who... Um, he is being kicked off his home planet, which is full of giants, and because he didn't grow into a giant, he was an, he was considered an outcast. Uh, so, so he's like he, a normal-sized person. He was, yeah, he's a normal-sized person. They 
bailed them a special a special uh, spaceship and basically kicked them off the planet. And his Aww. ship lost control around Earth and he crash landed on Earth to be found by three children um, who live in the in the village of Byway, which is about to be uh, which is about to get a bypass running right through the middle. Oh, of it. that's totally uh, what you call the Douglas Adams Douglas Adams Hitchhiker's, Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah, it is. Anyway, when is this one from? Is this in this 40s? one's from nineteen seventies? So it is very much, yeah, it's very uh, much of the hitchhikers period. Yeah. Um, anyway, the alien lands and he gets taken in by uh, the parents of the, these kids and you know the granddad and the mom, who are really against this bypass being built. But the ministers from uh, you know from London really want it built. They say it'll be good for the community. Everything progress. Like it's basically like you know the whole HS two argument right now. They could do with one of those aliens from the movie. Um, <laughs> okay, right. Uh, it's basically how the alien slowly adapts to you know Earthways and actually helps the villagers get you know uh, beat the bypass, so to speak. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, Glitter Ball. Timeless, that one. That one is one of those stories that fits into pretty much any time period. Yeah. Glitter Ball is a, is kind of the odd one of the bunch. Is it about disco? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like you both said that together. <laughs> I wanted disco aliens. That's what I wanted. Uh, that movie does exist. It's, yeah. Well, it, do, it is about a ball that ha- that lights up. Uh, that has all sorts of light inside. Is it uh, a disco ball? No, it's not. Oh. Oh. Right. <laughs> Glitter ball is about um, this ball. That, uh, this ball that comes to Earth. Um, the military have detected something approaching Earth. <laughs> Yeah, they, as they do. And I think this is like... Fire lasers! Oh, the lasers are bouncing off the glitter ball! <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a bit Super 8, that. It, it, it's kind of early 80s type one. Oh, yeah, very Super 8. Yeah, um, it, but, you know, without the production value. Of uh, course, <laughs> It's it's kind of early eighties, and the military obviously they've got their radar technology, and they've detected something that has come to Earth, and so they're going all over looking for this thing. And the thing turns out to be most people think it's a mouse raiding their, raiding their food and stuff like that, but it's not. It's a it's a ball that can fit into the palm of your hand. It's basically about the size of a golf ball, mm. and it uh, it it is basically an alien. So, like batteries not included, kind of aliens. Um, yeah. Exactly, uh, that's oh, exactly that. right. It yeah, is like batteries not included, only it's just a sphere. People probably haven't seen. Japanese <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. basically short circuit. Yeah, <laughs> two uh, two kids fi- uh, two kids find it, and this uh, this ball can do various things like open locks and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, and there's uh, a guy who's been who's kind of a jobbing handyman type thing. Um, he's a, he's supposed to be a bit of a nasty piece of work. He sees the kid, he sees the kids opening a shed lock with this ball and decides that he wants that ball so he can break into uh, a couple of safes and, uh, steal so the fashion side. anything. Right. Yeah. These films seem abundant with safes. So <laughs> like everyone has a safe full of money just for the. It was, it was the 40s guy to 80s. Find. This is what people It was the style at the time. Yeah, <laughs> it was the style at the time. You know, Bitcoin didn't exist at that point. But, uh, is that a good? Is that the one that lets the side down? Really? Um, it's not that it lets the side down. It's just a bit odd. Um, good odd, bad odd. It, it, it's it's kind of uh, it's good odd, but only just. Okay. Um, I mean, it does the whole batteries not included thing where you know at the end of batteries not included it has all of the aliens appearing mm-hmm. in the sky, you know, because uh, it's it, it, it the building. Yeah. You know, Is Forest Whitaker in it? No. 
Oh. Forrest Whitaker, Whitaker wasn't in batteries, not included. Though. Yeah, he was. No, he wasn't. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's worse is that. <laughs> I'm not following that up. But uh, generally speaking, is this a package which... Um, <laughs> is it a tight package? We are talking about kids movies. I Is this the collection of movies? Uh, feature length movies. Is it worth getting? Um, is it worth, is it, does as, it recommend in there? As just Outer Space on its own, probably not. But it's not just Outer Space. Outer, Outer Space is basically the third volume in the entire collection. That's true. And as a collection, definitely. The Children's Film Foundation. Yeah, the Children's Film Foundation collection. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, overall, it is a great collection to get hold of. Outer Space has, you know, it has some good, has some not so good, and has some well, kind of weird. That's the problem with sort of collections of things. You do get one yeah. good bad I think, for it. I think from this collection, Kadoing would be the pick of the bunch. Okay. Um, because it all has in, has more of the Hawkeye science fiction and stuff like that that seemed to be seemed to permeate kids sci-fi of that day <laughs> and just normal sci-fi yeah. of that of that era so as well. This is Space Volume Three, isn't it? Yeah. And that's out on uh, BFI. That's out from BFI. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to animation. animation. Uh, the news has broke recently. How they're doing it? Uh, Toy Story Four. Heaven forbid. And we just thought we'd take this opportunity to talk about. Uh, Pixar sequels. Okay, well, ones that should has, have been and ones that shouldn't have been. Maybe. There has been a lot of backlash against Toy Story 4. A lot of people said that it doesn't need to be there. Well, I mean, it, obviously, it depends, really, because we don't know what the content of it's going to be. We don't yeah, know, yeah, like, whether true. it's going to fit, like, into the continuity well. We don't know how tacked on it's going to be or if Toy, it's, like, a logical continuation. It wasn't exactly met with welcome hands, I mean, welcome arms, you know, when it first came yeah, out. Yeah. Mm. So it seems like, with Toy Story, at least, they only do a sequel if they've got a story... Which works. Yeah. yeah. And I can't say that because they did Cars. And John Lasseter is, was Cars, Cars is John Lasseter's sort of passion project. So he is doing Toy Story 4. That makes me worried. Yeah. If Toy Story, not if Cars 2 with a bloody car, that rusty truck, brings us, toy, the guy who thought that was a good idea, brings us Toy Story 4. <laughs> I am scared. Frankly, but, but yeah, I do think like Toy Story three was such a good film, and that's why people are worried about Toy Story. Yeah, mm. well, no, I mean, yeah, Toy Story right. three ended at the perfect point. It, it was the perfect ending for that. For that, but trilogy. it also did keep things open. In that's, the, a, that's a good yeah. ending, though. An open yeah. ending. It could what yeah. could happen next. But we're not going to show you. A lot you. of people thought that the open ending was for like future shorts and things yeah. like that, rather than another feature length film. Have been. But uh, moving away from that, because we could, you know, say it's good idea, bad idea. It's it all depends on what the story is, so we can't really comment too much. What about the uh, other Pixar sort of IP? Sequels. Uh, Sequels that should or shouldn't... Well, the only ones that shouldn't have been is Cars 2, basically. Well, they did this spin-off, like, Planes. Well, that was... I think that was, that was they Disney. sold it to Disney, and Disney just said, yeah, right, we've got money, much. let's make more money. <laughs> um, That's how business works, right? <laughs> yeah. When's Finding Dory out? I... Don't know, but no, that that is the f- the sequel to Finding Nemo was announced as being so Finding Dory. Question is, 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 that, way, is that like do, is that like Pixar's Taken? Apparently, it's more a metaphorical <laughs> finding, as no. in Dory. Obviously, in the first one, it's it, uh, like a few second memory. That's the yeah, Ellen DeGeneres. She's, she's got a very short memory. She doesn't know where. She, you know. 
So basically, in this film, she finds herself. Oh, I see. Like, sort of existentialism. Yeah, and stuff. it's less that yeah. Dory is missing and we need to find her. <laughs> That's a shame, because now her son keep on happening to that guy. <laughs> no, 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 you don't have a diehard hard skills. <laughs> He's got a certain set of skills, yeah. and I will use them. So be, yeah. perf- be careful. I want my family back. <laughs> That's Harrison Ford. Yeah, uh, but... The one that people are clamouring for is obviously the uh, the Invincibleness. Oh, the Incredibles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah I, that really needs a sequel. I don't know. I do think the like the limited use of powers and the sort of having to keep a pretense of everyday life worked well for the first one. Yeah. Well, it was yeah. the best Watchmen film they're ever going to be. Yeah. But... Um, but I mean, uh, it's I'd such like a to... rich universe, is what people are clamouring mm. for. I mean, there, there's, there's so much more they could have done with the Incredibles. But in a way, that's if it, it's almost like if you have too much of that, you take away the specialness of it. Oh, yes, well, yeah. We'd like when they actually more. got to yeah. use their powers and be, have fun with them, yeah, that was the most fun part of the film. Yeah, but the, in a way, having to keep that repressed for so long was why you, you know when they yeah. experienced that sense of wonder is why it came across. Yeah. So we yeah. want more. But, I mean, the thing is, <laughs> I, I'm not talking about specifically um, specifically movies. There's a lot more they could have done with regards to just the whole universe of the Incredibles in well, they, general. They did have that shot with the baby of the family. Yeah, uh, where they discovered what his powers were, and it just kind what of what were his powers? All, all the powers. He's basically got like, he's basically like Franklin Richards. Yes, he's got, yeah. he's got seven mods, and he's just kind of crazy little kid. Um, the the shot. Um, the short is basically about him being babysat. Yeah. And it just keep like, he keeps displaying weird powers that pull up more and more problems for this hot, uh, like, yeah. It's a rather old teenage up. babysitter. Yeah, um, you don't see it in the film, but you do see it. You hear that, like, you hear Yeah, you get them. He's doing yeah, weird, weird things, yeah. So it's that bit. And you know where she, like, um, like passes, her, passes him over quite, like, Easily over to Syndrome. Yeah. Without knowing who he is properly. Yeah. Yeah, that's because of what she's just been through. Ah, right. <laughs> like, oh, you're the replacement babysitter. Take him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think there's what any... What does the S stand for on your chest? Uh, Hope. Stands Sitter. For... Sitter. It's not... Right, I was going to have BS, but... You don't want to walk around with your BS on Yeah, it's not an S. It means hope in my language. That, that, was, that was good, Ben. That was the worst Jason Lee impression I've ever yeah. heard. Uh, but... <laughs> There's no other real sort of properties under the Pixar hammer or handle, sorry, that really borrow themselves to sequels. You see, the thing is, I think they they like to do complete movies. They don't yeah. want to have something that's like, oh, you'll have to see the sequel to know how it ends. They like to do a full story with a good arc. Yeah, because I don't know why they've sequelized Monsters Inc. Because I don't think. Well, well you know, Monsters, Monsters Inc. Actually, well, it, it, it's, Monsters it's a, it's a Inc. Monsters University worked. I don't um, think it did. No, I like you, it because Monsters Inc. was beautiful, man. It was probably their most complete movie. Yeah, but, what, but, but unfortunately, because of its completeness, is why it's very difficult to make a sequel of it. Yeah, but That's a prequel true, is actually. a different thing entirely. Hmm. I find prequels can be a bit like um, they can be a bit like bankrupt in terms of plot in that oh it's the guy who will later become the guy yeah, yeah. yeah. you know there's yeah. nothing start at zero and you, they've got to get that film to a point where we know Monsters Inc started and it kind of takes away the sort of yeah any sort of uh, like any sort of that. suspense mm. how 
how can you wonder what the ending's going to be when you know? Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's great to see where people came from and things like that, but if a character's well-written, you see that in their actions. Yeah. Hmm. That... Actually, it'd be interesting to see kind of a Wally prequel because there'd be loads of Wallies all all over the all over the place, and you wouldn't. No, it wasn't, wasn't, you what, see the you see the evidence of what happened. You see how it's affected people. You don't need to actually see it. No, That's, what I'm saying <laughs> yeah, is, you yeah. with all the Wallies around, if they did it right, then you wouldn't actually know which Wally was the one from. I've got to. I've got. So they just some be going around here, cleaning. There's not. Much there's a story. I've got some words for you. Claptrap and uh, Borderlands pre-sequel. It's a horrible idea. Okay. But, uh, there is a theory circling on the internet that, you know, uh, Wally's a psychopath and he murdered all the other Wally's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen like, that. Um, the way he um, he keeps a storeroom of cannibalised parts. Yeah. He's just destroyed them all and picks off bits when he needs them. <laughs> Wally's a psycho. Adorable. <laughs> he's adorable. I love the little fella, but he's a psycho. Speaking of psychos, Naruto... Manga. Yes. We what? Are. That is the weirdest segue. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. A better segue would be me doing the Vinland Saga review, talking about psychos. So let's do that, seg- that segue then. That seems like a cleverer idea then. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, did we, I can't remember. Did we actually review Vinland Saga? No. The first no. volume? Okay, then this is a review for volumes one and two. Um, do you like Vikings? Do you like manga? Vinland Saga review. Go. Well... Yeah, that's quite accurate, Dave. Thank you. Um, Vinland Saga is one of those histor- uh, historical fantasy mangas set at the time of the Vikings during the time of King Canute uh, in England. And it's... Who has the power to stop the tides. Well, he thought he did anyway. Um, but anyway, <laughs> it's one of those strange manga that appear every so often where it's accessible to... To low to as many people as possible. Hmm. You know, if you have any knowledge of Vikings, which is well, you know, in a way, then you it, can read it's it. more accessible than a Japanese high high school manga. Yeah, much more accessible. Um, Vinland Saga is uh, it tells the story of Thorfinn, son of Thor's. Um, Thor's uh, and his family live on what uh, what is now Iceland, uh, away from the main uh, Viking uh, Viking tribes and all their military might. Um, the Vikings have invaded England. Uh, King Canute's father is basically this all uh, would-be conqueror of everything he surveys, and he summons Thor, who who is a legendary warrior among the Vikings. Um, so much a legend that he no longer needs to use a sword or shield. He can basically kill people with his bare hands sure. if he wanted to. He can kill a man with his beard, possibly even that. Anyway, um, so it's quite fantastic. No, it's not fantastic. It's actually very realistic. But, okay. It's a historical fantasy, fantasy meaning that this didn't actually happen. Well, it's, it's like low fantasy, isn't it? Yeah. With, uh, there's, there's not any fantastical elements in terms of like mages or magic, but... It's, it's not reality. It's kind of... what It's, it's a what-if story. Okay, okay. You know, well, that's what they call low fantasy, isn't yeah. it? When it's like, there's, there's no dragons, but there is swords and... Yeah. And typically, it's quite earthy, and yeah. And, uh, so, uh, but, I mean, this is this, is the first this one track. has more of it has its feet planted firmly on feet planted firmly on the ground. Well, you're um, talking about the first two, the first two volumes. The first volume uh, deals with uh, deals with Thor's departure from uh, Iceland. He's summoned by uh, by the king to become part of the royal guard. Okay. And along the way, something happens. Um, he finds out that his son, Thorfinn, for one, has stowed away on the ship when he told him specifically to stay at home. 
Um, and then uh, they get attacked. Yeah. Right. And I'm not going to say what happens after that. The second volume, because I'm not going to go into detail about the ending of the first volume, the second volume um, deals with the after effects of that attack yeah. and how it affects uh, and how it affects specific uh, a specific person. Now, that's all I'm going to say about that. The story is extremely well done. It's actually right up there with uh, the work of Naoki Urasawa. That's high praise indeed. Yes, I know. But it is right up there with the Naoki Urasawa. art seemed quite rustic. The art is rustic because it's supposed to reflect, reflect the kind of uh, the agrarian nature of society at that time. Ah, I see, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, the, the kind of clothing style, stuff like that. Um, the fact that you uh, they had uh, peasants and they had a specific hierarchy, everything like that. It's all done in really, really nice detail. In terms of the artwork, the only person I know who does this kind of period stuff you know, this kind of, not specifically Viking stuff, but period in general. Mm-hmm. The only uh, mangaka I know who does it uh, does it better is Mori Kaoru, who does Emma. Mm. Um, but it is really of that time period. Is this a new title, really? So no, is it, it's been around for a while. So it's the sort of thing that influenced a lot. Uh, it hasn't influenced a lot. The, the weird thing is, Vinland Saga is very, very popular. Um, in a specific audience, but it could be it could be massive if people gave it a chance. It's just because it doesn't have all the magic, the fantasy, everything like that. Because it doesn't have, you know, because uh, it's very earthy. Is yeah, it's very earthy and very down to earth in its approach. It deals with the cost of war. It deals with the human tragedy uh, of the fallout of what happens after, and it deals with what big. It mainly deals with what happens when you stop being a killer. Mm-hmm. It's nowhere near as easily consumable as the big shonen mangas exactly. and that sort of thing are. Exactly. I mean, how uh, uh, I'm going to use this as a segue because th- that's basically the end of the review. Um, I-, I do recommend as many people read this as possible. Is it's the hardback. Brilliant, it's the hard. Both of them are hardback. It's being released in this country in hardback. Um, Excellent. You know, from Kodansha uh, and uh, you know, going through ta- turnaround. Thank you, Tom, for sorting us out with those. Um, but I would recommend as many people read this as possible. It is a truly, truly singular piece of historical fantasy, and I've read a lot of historical fantasy. Excellent. And segue, Osaurus. Yeah. Um, the segue <laughs> is basically, I'd like to know what ha- what would happen. Uh, you know, what would happen if Naruto had had enough of killing? Well, he never really the after effects of that. He was never a killer, really. But he's a ninja. He's supposed to be an assassin. Well, he has killed um, three people. Well, he shouts a lot and wears orange. He's well, a bad ninja. Well, he, he does kill a few, but he, he's not a killer in the sense of what other characters are in the universe. He generally deals with a threat, yeah. as yeah. far as I'm aware. That he defangs that threat. And the, the reason we're talking about this is Naruto, the manga, finished recently. Yep, and, uh, technically. Are they going to rejuvenate it next year with... Because the last chapter, spoiler or not, has a time skip. How did your skip. shipping pairings work out? It has, yeah, <laughs> going, it has a time skip and it's talking about like a sort of a, a very oh. sort of paired in, like small scale uh, manga run about the kids in that time skip. Yeah. About Dave. little Hyperion Malfoy and uh, Harry Potter Jr. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's how the Harry Potter books ended. Basically. Dave. Yeah. We really need to do a show called The Shipping News. <laughs> shipping Forecast. Yeah, sorry, The Shipping Forecast. Uh, talking about... I, 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 we do wail on Naruto a lot, but it was the 
the manga that got me back into manga after about five, ten years yeah. away from it. It was the first manga I read. So it was the first, I think it actually was about the so it's got third a, anime. So it's got like, like a special what? place there. I think it was what yeah. got me into anime at the time as well. I kind of, uh, I, I watched like the first uh, however many episodes, I think it was about 50 or so, and then I just, I just gave up. But there's been, um, I think so there's, there's been, been a lot of rec- 15 years. There's a lot of recognition, yeah. and uh, generally people seem to be quite um, positive about the the ending. And I mean, yeah. uh, oh, a yeah. little tribute in yeah. the latest uh, One Piece issue. I don't know if you've seen that. Well, at the I mean, end yeah. of the in the final chapter, uh, has the first chapter of Naruto. He just draws all over uh, the Hokage like statues on the mountain. Yeah, and on the uh, picture of Naruto. Spoilers again. There's a. Little straw hat pirate, yeah, yeah, insignia. and uh, the the favor was returned by yeah. uh, order on the latest uh, latest volume of One Piece. Uh, Robin and uh, Luffy are eating at a noodle hut, and you can't see him because he's behind uh, he's behind Robin, but blatantly Naruto is there, yeah, and uh, the One Piece symbol has been replaced by the uh, the leaf. Village, uh, oh yeah, symbol yeah. and things yeah, like yeah. that. It's, it's full of little references and little um, little nods. So it doesn't Naruto mean fish cake? It, there's a lot of things in that series that just make random sense in Japanese. Yeah, because I thought Naruto was one of those little fish, spiral fish cake type things that you put in ramen. But uh, I, I think it'd be missed to be honest, because it was such a firm fixture. Yeah. I mean, it had its ups and downs. I enjoyed it as much as I hated I, it. I'd say yeah. it's successors, that. probably something like Fairy Tale. Yes, but Fairy Tale's yeah. 300 chapters in now. I don't think yeah. there's a new Pretender. I, I, I honestly don't. Uh, to be honest. No, in terms of the, the, the not, fun, accessible one. Oh, yeah. the fun, accessible one. Uh, I don't know. I don't Well, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Naruto. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is its claws. We've got to give it. I see more. what Dave's getting at with the fun, fun accessibility. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I think fairy tale shows too much skin for it to be for everybody's tastes. That's true. That is true. We have a an arc over. Let's have some boom. <laughs> and there we go. <laughs> you know. So I think they handled the ending really well. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it's it's a hard thing to close. Like as I said, this series has gone on for fifteen years. Seven hundred chapters. Yep, seven hundred chapters. There is a lot of emotion between these two characters. How would you finish it off in a good way? Be, There's no real way you can do that, like end the series of that length, and it would have been sake, sort of abrupt. For comparison's sake, people like would assume Dragon Ball is a long-running manga. Yeah, yeah. Now that has around seventy chapters. Is that it? Well, uh, volumes, yes, wow, volumes, that's a big mean, difference. Volumes. Yeah, it's, it's about seventy volumes. Yeah. It not honestly like a, a full. Dragon Ball, uh, starting at Dragon Ball, ending at the end of Z, um, will fit on a bookshelf. Well, yes, yeah. the longest-running manga, <laughs> the longest-running manga out of all of them is uh, Kochikame, which uh, is basically a comedy manga set in a police booth in a small town. Um, bring in it. That one has, I think, around two thousand chapters. Bringing it back to, it's been going since the nineteen seventies. Bringing it back to Naruto, I do honestly think it had a place there. Because it, it was like a gateway. Mm. It was a gateway drug. Yeah, he, he, for a lot of people, that was the first anime. Yeah. The first Pocky Stories. They um, <laughs> got them into a lot of things. And, like, even though I wasn't as hype about it as when I was, when I was like, 13 and I first of course, saw it. Of course. I, I still enjoyed the series. And I thought it was just... 
It was enjoyable. Yeah, I, I wailed on it a lot, but the last chapter kind of made me sad. Yeah. That's over now. Nice. Yeah. Like, I, I, was, I can't remember what I was saying to, but, like, for the past, like, 12 years, I would get up on a Thursday and read Naruto. Yeah, so... And now I'm not. Well, before you had breakfast or anything like that? Yeah, usually. Okay. That's so, dedication. Just, yeah. like... In, and it's just part of my life that's yeah, now... You do get into routines. Something like, that's... Long on TV shows, people just... Yeah. They'll watch, like, whether they're enjoying it anymore or not, or whether it's still... Yeah. Some, it's it's routine. It's but something like, you do. It had moments I didn't like and moments I absolutely loved. It's, of course, yeah. It's had... Some of the greatest characters I've ever read were like, from like that. Fat Naruto, Voldemort, <laughs> Bruce Lee's dad, and all the Naruto characters. Yeah. Well, it's one of these series, it does it better than Bleach, I think, where it has this massive universe of characters, and I honestly think the secondary characters are much more interesting. Yeah. And honestly, that's the sort of series that can have some sort of longevity yeah. with people. Because uh, in Naruto, uh, the original series, there was the Bone Guy yeah. who could like sort of grow bladed blondes out Kimaru. of his... Kimaru. That's the one. Yeah. His name is on the tip of the tongue, but... A, you just add Maru onto the end of something and you've got a Naruto. With a universe of characters that are so rich, like secondary characters, I think yeah. it, it stands Naruto in sort of anime law, whether people like it or not. I uh, mean, it's one thing that Naruto did that Bleach didn't, which is, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely give it credit for. Um, the secondary characters were much more interesting. Yeah. They had much more depth to them than the characters mm, in Bleach. Yep. I'll, give it, I'll give it that because they, they, all, had a, they all had a beginning... And, yeah. you know, you, they all had a foundation that they could build on. And I like the fact that, you know, there's actually, there's already spin-offs, like Rock Lee's Springtime of You yeah. and stuff like that. Well, that's a good, that's a, that's a funny spin-off, because Rock Lee's yeah. amazing. He's <laughs> though. 15 years, and 1010 still hasn't got a second name. And nobody, <laughs> like, at the end, end chapter, she's I the only one who didn't have the end. end. She, she didn't have <laughs> the end. She didn't have the end. Peacetime's barring her. Yeah, her. she gets me in a weapon <laughs> shop where she doesn't sell anything. Although she had, like, legendary weapons mounted on wall. I'm like, I want to see her getting them. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe because you say it's peacetime, maybe people are just pawning them off. <laughs> you know, like, well, I did have this legendary sword, but as it's peacetime, I've got no use for it. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. 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 what you do for an unemployed ninja? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the only subject at school is still ninja. Yeah. At the core of it, I do think it is a series. Yeah, like it all over, it, it's yeah. going to go down in anime history. Yeah, I'm hoping the 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 series announced in 2015 isn't basically going to be Naruto scrubs the interns. Well, no, because yeah, he has a son called Bolt. Or yeah, Bor- Bolt Boruto. It's, yeah, it's basically it's, Naruto but with B instead of an A. N. At all, Boruto. Yeah, so if you take out most of the, um, like, romanji you get Bolt. Yeah. Just shorten it. Or Bot. Bot, even. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that like... Isn't there a Simpsons? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we still have um, a review to do, Rob, don't we? Is it, like... No, they ended really well. I do agree there, yeah. And... I'm sad that it's done, and I hope they don't miss out. They mess up with this new. This <laughs> well, you know, it's still Kishimoto right in that clip with the mugs with names. I was like, who's called Bort? My son is also called Bort. <laughs> okay, Rob, you got another review. What have I got? 
Didn't you? No? Have you done? Yeah. We're okay, done. well, we, we're at the end of the show. We are at the end of the show. We've got a few announcements. Uh, next uh, Thursday, the quiz. 14th, isn't it? Yeah, we have the uh, 12 quiz at Mink, and we have the games, video games challenge, we have the poster, and we have all the great things. We've 7 got loads of prizes. 7 p.m. kickoff. We'll have the photos of all the prizes so far up on Facebook, um, uh, hopefully tomorrow. Um, and if you see a steampunk cat around Middlesbrough and Stockton, yeah, follow that, sir. Follow that cast. Yeah, we are behind um, that. That's like the best, like, Alice yeah. in Wonderland style yeah. beginning to a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do have, as prizes, uh, five couple, copies of Doodle Jump Adventures on the 3DS. Um, we've got this beautiful, from Don Kinsley, this beautiful Batman, um, huge encyclopedia type thing. It's like, Go on for Spider-Man, it's only just come out uh, in the last month or two um got one for spider-man as well um we've got this fantastic uh sci-fi book which is like a uh, it's very studious and if you are serious about your sci-fi it's the book you want if you're if you're a serious sci-fi lover um there's loads of stuff like that we've also got an autobiography of joss whedon with a foreword by nathan fillion nice (laughs) That's like all the geek boxes ticked, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but we have been the yeah, Geek Show broadcasting from a uh, uh, secret, und- undisclosed sorry. underground location. Yeah. From uh, on the geekshow.co.uk, and we'll be back every. Yeah. Whenever we say so. Well, we'll let us out over here someday. Thegeekshow.co.uk. And uh, thank you for listening. I have been uh, a tight package. <laughs> <laughs> I've been bought. <laughs> I've been Ryan. I don't have anything funny to say. <laughs> and I've been randomly insulting Ben at every, uh, impo- every possible impasse. <laughs> Words. And I am Bolt. <laughs> My brother. <laughs> Uh, thank you for listening. Yes, See you next week. Bye. Bye.
For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.